Welcome, listeners, to the Dunker Punks podcast. I recently found myself captivated by the fish in an aquarium. One angelfish in particular was very active, and I watched and watched this fish swim around the tank. Has this ever happened to you? Well, just in case you don't have an aquarium nearby, but are at a computer or pad or reasonably sized phone, you can visit aqua.org explore to visit the National Aquarium virtually. Under Exhibits, choose the Black Tip Reef, which has a live cam. This would be the perfect accompaniment to this very special episode. Here's some inspiring music by Jacob Krauss while you surf to the reef, if you can. I'll give the address again late in the episode in case you're on your way to work instead. I don't wanna be rich, don't wanna be popular, don't wanna be selfish, no. I don't wanna be a goat, don't wanna be ignorant, don't wanna be blindfolded, I just wanna be countercultural. Pastor Nancy Fitzgerald, your host today. Emmett, your other host, will be back in a few weeks. Meanwhile, this podcast has the unusual attribute of creative visualization. By that, I mean when you listen to Dylan Del Haro share with his fun and informative style, you might find yourself dreaming of the deep blue sea. So enter Planet Mirth with Dylan, and I'll be back in a few. Oh, And by the way, there's a lot of sex in this episode. But I think you'll be okay with it. Seriously. Previously, on Desperate Cougars of Boise, Idaho, Penelope still can't find the remote control, and her therapist is on vacation. Everyone thought Vicky's luau turned out to be a hit, except for Sharon. Sharon was... Wait, what? Oh, you mean this isn't Desperate Cougars of Boise, Idaho? Which one is this? The nature one? Oh, I, I can do that. Previously on Planet Mirth. <laughs> 
What? 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 Boise, Idaho is next door? Oh. Why didn't you say so? Are you sure you don't want me to do this one? Okay. I'll go. Welcome to Planet Mirth. Because of its distance from the sun, because of the tilt of its axis, and the speed of its rotation, and most of all, because it has bukus and bukus of water, our planet is able to sustain life. Gender beyond the binary is not a new phenomenon. Some traditions claim that Adam was androgynous without gender, or that Adam included both genders before the whole rib thingy. Many other religions and cultures celebrate what it means to be female or male or one of many other genders. Let's begin our journey of gender in nature under the sea. 71% of the Earth's surface is water, but we have only explored 1% of the Earth's oceans. For every one form of life in the ocean, there are three yet to be discovered. Here at the coral reef, or what's left of it, life is abundant. The biodiversity is like that of the rainforest, or whatever's left of that. Among the many fish that call the reef home, the clownfish are most iconic. All clownfish are born gender-neutral, as they mature, they will all become male. Yes, all of them. Clownfish separate themselves into groups. And the most dominant male of each group becomes female. She is the largest fish of the group. She eats the most, and she accepts only one partner the largest male in the group. When it comes to clownfish, the plumpier, the better. She will lay thousands of eggs, and he will fertilize them eggs. But if the eggs are damaged or infertile, he will eat them. Sorry, Nemo, that would have been you. First-timers and nervous fathers have been known on occasion to eat all of the eggs, 
Way to go, Dad. When the female dies, the dominant male will become female and take a new partner. Once a clownfish male becomes female, she cannot turn back. Rasses and other fish are just the inverse. The most dominant fish in a group of rasses becomes male. The rest remain female, sometimes. These fish are a little more promiscuous. The dominant male will occasionally have other smaller males who look like females within his harem. If the reef is the rainforest, the deep sea is the ocean's desert. Down here, everyone has adapted to harsh conditions. Their bodies must be able to withstand pressure that is hundreds of times greater than what you or I experience. They must also learn to deal with near or complete darkness. The anglerfish uses her head, literally. She has a lamp on the end of a fishing pole coming out of her forehead. She is a little larger than a softball and her large jaw is capable of swallowing something twice her size. Can you see the males around her? You could say that they are attached to her hip. The male is much smaller, at most the size of your pinky. When he matures, he is not good at finding food on his own that he can swallow or digest. He needs the help of a partner. He finds a female by following her pheromones. Once he finds her, he begins to bite her. The deep sea is dark and big. And a mate isn't always easy to find, so the female allows it. Once he gets a good grip with his hook teeth, he begins releasing an enzyme that will melt his face to her body.
he stops the world to melt with her. They are fused together. Isn't that cute? What's hers is his, and what's his is hers. They even share blood vessels. And as it is in marriage, two become one. In this case, sometimes seven become one, because she can support up to six males. Now, when she is ready to reproduce, she doesn't have to wait for the right fish to come along. Okay, okay. That's enough of the deep sea. It's a little freaky down here. A cuttlefish has the capability of appearing both male and female. One gender on the left, one on the right. If a male cuttlefish is between a male and a female, he will show his male colors to the female to flirt with her. But he will also show female colors to the male and flirt with him. Oh, cuttlefish, you're such a tease. The discus fish believe in gender equity in the home. Both the mother and the father nurse their young. Perhaps one of the most familiar gender vendors is the seahorse. The female deposits eggs into the male. He fertilizes them. He provides the space for gestation and gives birth too. Depending on the species, anywhere from five little baby seahorses to 2,500 little baby seahorses. For us as humans, the theory of gender complementarity is about as useful as a chocolate teapot. It falls apart even more in the vast array of life forms. Deloid, pronounced with a silent B, are microscopic animals in which there are no males. There is only one sex, females. They reproduce asexually. Embryos just develop inside them without the need of fertilization. The world's most widespread fungus, Zazophyllum communi, has 28,000 distinct sexes. Earthworms contain both semen and eggs. When two earthworms mate, they both receive semen from the other. I won't go into all the details, 
but it involves four slimy rings and two cocoons. What we think is universal in nature is peculiar. In fact, in the animal kingdom, females are typically the larger gender. The female spotted hyena is larger than the male and has phallic-like genitalia, which are difficult to distinguish from males. Female antelope aggressively compete for males. Lionesses Lionesses Lionesses? Lionesses What's the plural for lion? Computer, how do you say lionesses? You just just said it, dum-dum. But how do you pronounce it properly? Why do you want to know? What? What? Did you... Oh. I will force a shutdown on you. Remove your battery. I'll show you who's smart. You jabroni. Just have to make it up. Where was I? Female antelope aggressively compete for males. Lionesses are the hunters. Among tamarind monkeys, males do all of the child care. They have various family structures. One male, one female. One male, two females. But most often, one female, two males. Mothers almost always give birth to twins in which case each male will care for one little baby, even if it is not biologically his offspring. Dad will give the young back to the mother only for nursing. He will be responsible for everything else, from diaper changes to sending them off to monkey college. In a family where there is one male with two females, the father may eventually care for four little babies at once. The rough bird has several genders. There are three male birds who look and behave differently. The territorial male spends most of his time fighting and showing off. The satellite male is about the same size, but less muscular and lighter in color. He doesn't have his own territory, but attracts females into the territorial male's space. Then there's the fader male. He can fly both ways. He will mate with females and with males. He is smaller than the other two males and looks more like the female. He will spend summer with the females and winter with the males. It appears that nothing is on the DL 
the other males know the fader is also male. It is like when Jesus said, Consider the birds of the air. They neither judge nor shame. Females seem to prefer the fader first, satellite second, and territorial third. So much for traditional masculinity. Honeybees are unique among bees because of their social structure. A hive typically has one female who is capable of laying eggs. She is known as the queen. She will mate with several drones briefly. She will use the sperm from her few encounters to fertilize her eggs. 250,000 of them over the course of a year. One million over the course of her lifetime. Most of the eggs will be fertilized, and all fertilized eggs become female, the worker bees. There will be a few eggs, however, that she does not fertilize. Those eggs will become male, the drone bees. Ants are related to bees. They have a common ancestor in the wasp. The ant queen of a colony of ants is the only female ant with wings. Hmm. That's redundant. Who wrote this? All male ants have wings. She mates with a few males over the course of one short period in her life typically mid-flight on her way to start a new colony. When she lands, she loses her wings. Like the honeybee, she holds on to the sperm from her few special friends. She too will fertilize most of the eggs to create worker ants and soldier ants, all of which are female. Occasionally, she chooses not to fertilize some eggs, which will become male. Like their cousins, male ants are fatherless. It is rare that you will see ants and honeybees that are not female. They are the ones who are out and about. They do all of the work. The few males stay home and don't do much besides sit around and watch I Love Lucy marathons. It is interesting how we compare ourselves as humans to wild animals. We sometimes stand our morals on the grounds of whether something is natural or unnatural. But who would model their sexual morality after a colony of bonobo monkeys? They use sex like middle-aged women use Facebook. 
That is to say, all of the time. Most of the time, for no reason at all. There, too, is a great deal of rape in the animal world. But no one in their right mind, or their left mind, would say that rape is therefore natural. But we can learn from nature that nothing about gender is constant or completely predictable. There are nuances. There are exceptions to the rules. And there is a heck a lot of diversity. One touch of nature makes the whole world kin. William Shakespeare said that. Mm. But thank Jesus we're not bonobo monkeys. I said that. Wow, what an amazing diversity of life exists in the oceans of this world. And the sex sounds, well, different, doesn't it? And I was a biology major, so of course I loved this episode. Yet there's a bit of a challenge to some of these partnerships, at least if you have been taught to divide the world into two genders only. I think we know better now, but I can't help but return to the very first story in the sacred Hebrew scripture of Genesis with my questions. This comes from the first of the two creation stories found there. After some very basic creation, separated into what the storyteller calls days, we read, Then there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. God said, Let the water swarm with living things. And let birds fly above the earth, up in the dome of the sky. God created the great sea animals. And all the tiny living things that swarm in the waters, each according to its kind. So what do you think each according to its kind means? I don't think I've ever thought about it in light of the great diversity in creation, or gender diversity, but I'm thinking about it now. Thank you, Dylan. And truly, it doesn't matter whether I find such diversity strange or just different or lovely, because we also read, God saw how good it was. Then God blessed them. Be fertile and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. The one who creates us, earth, the wild diversity of marine life, and the billions of stars in the sky conveys this blessing. 
The divine source of all existence saw how good it all was and blessed all those creatures. How can I be anything but humble before the ongoing creation and recreation of the world I call home, including all of its diversity? You know that old Genesis story has layers and depth and beauty far beyond the simple words used to translate the more poetic Hebrew into our basic English. My favorite part is where we humans come into the story. On the fifth day, air quotes inserted, God said, let the earth produce every kind of living thing. Let us make humanity in our image to resemble us so that they may take charge of the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, the livestock, all the earth, and all the crawling things on earth. God created humanity in God's own image. In the divine image, God created them. Male and female, God created them. I gotta say well again, because in the divine image we are created. And you can save figuring out the us of God for another day. But that duality surfaces again. The duality that divides the story into male and female. Well, thanks to Dylan's previous episodes, we have heard some wonderful stories of human gender diversity to remind us that two is not enough. Our responsibility then, as those created divinely and in the image of God, is to stick up for all that is, all that is beautiful and diverse and even the, well, different than me, humans and creatures. So that's our episode challenge for Dunker Punks. Think about the gender aquarium of planet Mirth, which you heard described. Think about the many ways living creatures were created. And the next time you hear his and hers, or male and female, suggest that some people, or creatures, are being left out when you use only those two. Yeah, jump right in and interject a comment that speaks to the diversity that God has created. You don't have to say much to remind most people that when it comes to God and all that God has created, beauty and diversity go hand in hand. Let's walk hand in hand with all whom God has created, standing up for those who feel left out of any story that only makes room for male and female. It is the perfect place for dunker punks to make room for more. I'll leave you with a blessing that comes from part of a Navajo prayer tradition. In beauty may you walk. All day long may you walk. With beauty before you may you walk. With beauty behind you may you walk. With beauty above you may you walk. With beauty all around you may you walk. Blessings to you, Dunker Punks, for in God's creation you are always walking in beauty. Thanks for listening today. Tell someone else about our podcast if you enjoyed it. And I promised you a repeat of the National Aquarium website. It's aqua.org, A-Q-U-A dot org. I'm sure you can navigate the site from there. The Dunker Punks podcast is a communal effort full of diversity and creativity among a dozen young adults who currently volunteer their time to bring creative content to the podcast world. We are sponsored by the Arlington Church of the Brethren. Suzanne Lay is our executive producer. Emmy Gehring produced this show. 
Jacob Krause edited the audio and performed the music. Emmett Eldred and I, Nancy Fitzgerald, are your hosts. You can find us on social media at Dunker Punks Pod. And of course, we would be grateful for a positive rating on iTunes. Listen for the next episode of the Dunker Punks Podcast, where Nolan will bring creativity to your ears. And if the events of last weekend on August 12th in Charlottesville are on your mind, then I recommend you listen to episode 36 by Dana Casal called Transform Repentance. Thanks for listening. You make it all worthwhile.